strong companies, lasting partnerships, powerful events. Welcome to the Experience Builders Podcast. Chris, I got a I got a question for you about the worst project you've lost money on. Uh, in in relation to this episode, I think this will be helpful for people to understand. But do you have a story for us? Well, there are so many to choose from as I reflect back. No, uh, yeah, the um, there's one that comes to mind. It was a it was a very large, um, a healthy six figure project. Um, we were excited about that number. Um, but the reality is there were signs everywhere. Khalil, we probably should have passed on that. We were out of our comfort zone. Um, some of the materials that we were asked to, to use, um, for example, we don't usually build stuff with a lot of odd sized tempered glass. Right. And so you go, okay, well, that's strange how it's going to mount and integrate with some of the products that are our core uh, build products. Um, so there was that, um, tons of white fabric. Um, and in the, this was because it was so custom, there was a lot of setting that up and taking it down. And even with gloves on and right, white starts to get a little grayer, a little dingier. And as you, you know, we learned, you know, you can clean it with all the commercial grade cleaners. And what you find is, um, it just, blends the gray around a little more. Then it was, you know, and the move in I'm thinking of that and client insisted on having uh, another labor partner do half of it and us do half of it. My point is there's just, there were signs everywhere that this was just getting away from us. And um, at the end of the day, um, I think that was the last, this was just a few years ago. It was the last all nighter on the floor that I, uh, that I pulled. And uh, at some point, you know, when you're, you know, when you're past, I think our friends listening in the trade show industry know after 12 hours, right, you're, you're not, you you typically go to double time and you're paying the most money for the worst work, the sloppiest work. You have tired workers, attention to details not there. So, yes. Um, but you know what it was? We were uh, intoxicated with the big sales number. That's why you chose it. That's why you chose it. It was um, there was a prestige thing, right? It was. um I think it was in the it was in a the healthcare industry and it was a known brand and you know we were excited to be asked and it was a good partner of ours and you know we're I'm I'm usually more disciplined when things like that come on our radar that I say this is not in our wheelhouse or this is and yet I you know I've got a army of hard chargers going we can do this I know we we'll be great we'll be amazing and uh, yeah margin we'll do it'll you know it'll be perfect and um it was um what a uh biggest customer service opportunity (laughs) i've had and uh which went all night long but anyway um yeah i think um i think i'm a lot better now when we get a project that's out of the ordinary of vision casting forward about what's it going to look like and really if i see a happy ending for for all of us, because you know, at the heart of it, you don't want to disappoint your customer. And no. uh, they were disappointed. So. Well, and the, the stress that you you go through is not worth it. But we've all been there. I think everybody listening, maybe they're afraid to admit it to certain people, but they've all gone through that. They've all been through the job that they shouldn't have 
estimated they shouldn't have said yes to and started on, but they were lured away by the maybe the big number uh, on the sales side. Maybe it's by the brand that you get to work with and the opportunity that it creates. Um, there's so many different reasons that it happens, but we've all been yes. down there. And really it, it leads us into our topic of the death spiral. And uh, why don't we just share what the death spiral is for those listeners that are out there? You know, it's it's not it's not that difficult to understand the death spiral starts when you are doing jobs that are losing you money, but it creates this endless cycle of trying to dig yourself out of a hole that you have in your business. Um, I'll let you speak to it a little bit too. No, you're dead on. It's when you, you know, in, in the trade show and event business, it's when you have to collect cash for the next job you're doing, you've got to get that deposit in to finish the jobs you're working on now or the, or the last jobs you did to clean those up. So you're really, you're relying on a certain amount of new deposits every month to pay your bills. And, you know, it really tells you, you're living outside or, or you're out ahead of your skis. You're living outside your means. And, uh, you know, if you're doing, um, you know, us are busy eight, eight or nine busiest months of the, of the year, um, we're pushing 40, 50 projects, out of our two shops. And so you can hide from a lot of that negative cash stuff when, when cash is moving, but at some point it does catch up. So, um, yeah, you're going from job to job. You're living in your mistakes. You're making more mistakes because you're, um, you know, you're leading a double life. Um, you're telling, you know, you're making sure your people feel good and, and everybody's getting paid, but you know, those behind the scenes know, um, where all the cracks are starting to show. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about how you enter this death spiral. And I, I think a lot of it starts with good, good intentions a lot of the time. But one of the biggest things that I recognize is that companies that are looking to grow, they're looking to take on more work, to take on bigger jobs, to hire more employees. They're excited to grow. That's when it usually starts. And yes, you know, if, if I were to say, hey, I can wave a magic wand and help you double your business right now, if you say yes to that, you're probably about to enter the death spiral in some capacity because just doubling your business overnight is a nightmare uh, for most businesses. Now, some people can do it, but this isn't software where you can just you know, add a new server and now we can take on just as many, you know, double the amount of users we have. No, like yeah. there are systems that have to be in place. There's you know, materials, there's labor, there's so much involved that you need to be careful about how you grow. It's better to be sustainable than, you know, exponential with your growth. Uh, but there's a lot of other ways uh, that I, again, through good intentions, mostly that people enter the death spiral. You've, you, we, I want to talk about concessions for a minute. What are some of the concessions you're seeing oftentimes in this space? Oh, yeah. It's just, so um, a concession is really, you're, you're really giving up something for, you know, you're doing something for free and you, you can defend that by saying it's, it's, you know, it's the value added, uh, service. It's what makes us, us, but, um, you know, if, if, if it's, um, you know, in the trade show industry, we built you this booth, we set it up for you. The client has asked, can your guys stay and help us merchandise, put all of our products out on all the shelves. <laughs> and, you know, you know, there's a huge show in Orlando every year called the Global Pet Expo. And so like a pet show is an example. Tons of merchandising, 
it's happening, but it could take three guys, you know, four to five or six hours. Well, all of a sudden you're at 15 or 18 man hours, which um, let's say you're moving in on a Saturday. So it's at overtime. Just imagine the cost. So if you're not billing for that um, and some companies do and, and rightfully you want to be cooperative, you want to do whatever your customer asks, but you want to make sure they understand what the cost consequences are. Um, sometimes you're trying to close a deal and you go, hey, why don't we just comp them that big, sexy re reception counter that we have in the back and the two workstations they need? I mean, we already have it, right? It's just sitting in the back. We already made it. We paid for it on other jobs or whatever. You know, it's so, you know, I'm a, I look in the mirror. I still see a sales guy, Khalil. I can rationalize anything to myself, yeah. right? And you go, oh, well, we'll just do that. Um, Hey, let's, you know, comp them the, the mini fridge and Hey, let's fill it every day. And, and with a case of water and they love us when we do those things, but it's a four hour minimum that I pay a guy every single day to go out and do that. So anyway, those are the costs that if you haven't allocated that in, in your original estimate. So concessions can be free stuff. It can be, um, you know, you're not billing for extra labor. If the scope of work is what's driving that the changes, right. Um, uh, it could be, um, you know, um, uh, the, the, the clients brought their own graphics and it was printed wrong and they're asking you to help them. And you go, well, we'll do it at a 50% discount because we're making money over here. There's just in the trade show and event game, there's all kinds of things you can point to, to right. be a good guy, which ultimately means you're eroding your profit margin. Yeah, for sure. And a, a lot of those concessions are happening out of fear. You know, it's a fear that you're going to lose the next job with the client. It's a fear yes. that they're going to be upset with you, that you're going to hurt your reputation. And the reality is that if you continue to, to concede in your business, you're only going to hurt your relationships even more with the people that you care about most, your family, yeah. because you're going to be stressed about the money that you're losing in your business and why you're not succeeding with your employees who you care about their livelihood. And they see you conceding and then they model that behavior in other ways. Um, there's just, there's so yeah. many ways that you're actually hurting yourself by being fearful of what people think about you, of losing the next job with them. Just be yourself, charge what you need to charge and you'll be respect. You should be respected for it. And if they're not going to respect you for it, we call that a necessary ending. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but yeah. Um, I, you see the inability to say no as well, and this falls under concessions, but the inability to say no is oftentimes related to sales. And what are some of the ways that you see a lot of people in the event space, not just exhibit builders, but even caterers, you know, all the, all the other vendors that are out there, what are the ways that you see them not saying no to things they should probably say no to? You know, um, the, 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 the live event industry is such a, it's such a great community, right? It's a, it's a tribal group. Um, someday, you know, $101 billion contribution to the U S GDP in 2019. And there, there's times it feels like there's only a hundred of us that work in it. We all know each other. So when you get a call from somebody and they're, they're needing you, um, and you're right. It, uh, spoiler alert, as we get to, you know, how do you break out of this? You have to say no. I, I was sitting Sunday, I got a call uh, while I was watching NFL games and 
it was from someone I hadn't spoken to in the industry in 15 years. Hmm. And the voicemail, I let it go to voicemail because I didn't recognize the number and the voicemail says, Hey, it's so-and-so. Hey, I know we haven't talked about, I just would love to catch up. I see you on, uh, you know, LinkedIn or social media and you're doing a great job. Hey, um, but of course I'm calling cause I have an emergency. Um, I, we have a big brand client, you know, Uber perfectionists, and there's been a problem with a couple of the, 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 the signage. And, um, we've been told in transportation, it got destroyed and this has to be reproduced and set up by Monday evening, by dinner time. So it's Sunday afternoon, right? Supply chain disruption. There's no graphic shops that are taking on that kind of a thing on a Sunday. So, and this isn't, I'll be honest, it's not my client. It's just a historic professional friend. And so I, um, <laughs> you know, I was like, look, I'm, I'm not going to be your best option for this. This was a, my suggestion is, um, you know, she, she, this person had mentioned somebody that we both knew in the graphic business in this market. And I said, so you already know, you know, who to call tomorrow morning, but you need to work through your regular labor partner to solve this. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but we got out of the 911 exhibit business <laughs> um, some years ago. We're, su we're serving a more finite upmarket um, base of partners. And this is just not something that we're going to be able to help you with. And it's hard because you're, you're friends with people, right? So I think that's the thing in our industry that's the hardest is, you know, the inability to say no. Yeah. Um, and, and I think if you're a salesperson, right, you, then you're thinking, if I say no, they're not going to call me for any other projects if it's one of your regular customers. I mean, I think we, you know, listen, man, I was I was raised Catholic, so a Vatican I Catholic mother. So I'm no, you, you want to press the guilt buttons there. I'm <laughs> firing on all cylinders when you do that. But it just, it's not fair to my people to drag them in and it's, 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 it's not good for the culture. And more importantly, in, in, in situations like the emergencies, we just don't usually deliver a great experience. Um, by the way, the other thing I would say to the salespeople that are listening, because for decades we did that and said, this will earn us the opportunity for this company to use us more regularly. And you know what I found? They don't, Khalil. No. You think it's going to be, we're going to save the day and, and put our you know, red capes on and our blue body stockings. And now they're going to start sending work to us. And the reality is they usually don't. Nope. So. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think with not saying no, you end up, you know, hurting your employees, you end up being more stressed, you end up delivering a, you know, inferior product at the end. And then you yeah. have some resentment towards the person too, because they gave you this job and you're trying to do them a favor. They don't end up using you in the future. You know, it, it's just not worth it you see a lot of inability to say no to the big jobs. Too. Yes, you do. And it's really, so, so if I had to guess, it's a, I would say one, uh, inability to say no, you're afraid to not, I need the revenue, right? I, I got to go get it. Yep. Number two, if I say no to this brand, they're um, not going to call me back uh, because I didn't help them with this. Or if I say no to a, a friend or an acquaintance, they'll badmouth us or, or whatever your rationale is. The truth is, um, you're saying no because it's not a good business proposition for you. Yeah. And that's what you need to own that. Just own that reality. Yeah. It's it's not what we offer. It's not what we focus on. It's not the systems right. that we have available and, and implemented for our team. The timeline sucks. The profit margin isn't there. Those, yeah. those are the things that you should be focusing on. And if the big number attracts you, make sure that you're always 
do double double checking your estimates, looking at the profit and focus on that number. Uh, so let me ask you, let me ask you a question, Khalil. Yeah. So you've got somebody that's, you know, kind of this dump and run project, or it's, um, you know, it's an, you know, just an impossible deadline or whatever. And they say, okay, I understand. Do you have anybody there that you can, that you can refer me to? And if you know, this is going to just be a disrupted project, really, doesn't that kind of sound like, do you have any friends you could send this project to that you really just don't want to speak to ever again? Right. What would, what do you say to that? You send it to your competitor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. In, in all honesty, let me I, write that down. Yeah. Write that down. Send it to your, to your competitor. They're referring me business. We hate those guys. No, I'm kidding. Uh, now I, I really think that in this situation, it's really important that you position yourself as reasonable and that most of your contacts that are reasonable, you know, you're happy to provide them with the information, but you, you would tell them, Hey, you're probably not going to have much luck with them because of the circumstances in which you're at, you're in the situation that we're in and what you're asking for. It's just, it's quite unreasonable. And I'm not going to say that there's not someone that can help you, but most people that I know probably won't help you, you know? Yeah. Um, and th that's just how I approach it. But at the end of the day, like those aren't the people that you want to be working with. Like if they're going to be calling you all the time, last minute for huge asks, it's not worth even keeping them as a customer. Even if, sometimes, even if the profit margin is good, um, you know, because usually the people that can afford to pay you a you know, what you're worth, have their stuff together in some capacity. Uh, you, you just now, see it. If I'm, if, if I'm honest, Khalil, when I, when I see us get into that situation, you know, nine times out of 10, when we're, you know, we're, we're accepting projects that put us on the death spiral track, it's self-inflicted, right? We, we didn't get, I mean, I have had, we've had, there, there, you know, I remember we had a, a client, we did a, you know, $300,000 project for, and, um, you know, we got the final payment, you know, about 90 days after we finished or delivered the project, we waited a little long, but four months later, they, um, declared bankruptcy mm. and I was like, oh, well, at least we got paid. But in bankruptcy, there's a six month look back, right? So the bank auditors that came in, came back and clawed back all the money that they'd paid wow. in the previous six months. So if you find yourself in a, you know, in a tough cash situation because of something like that. Okay. That's, that's not necessarily in your control and maybe you didn't right. see the writing on the wall about, but, um, but for the most part, it's us taking on the project that shall not be named. Right. We should, we, we knew probably wasn't the right fit. Um, yeah. and so again, if you're wondering, am, am I a sales professional operating in the death spiral or do I work with a company that does, um, you can look around and you can feel, you know, is there a lot of negative energy in the company? Um, are there vendors that are constantly chasing you? Yeah. Um, are you, if you're an owner, right, you're really living multiple, multiple lives. I mean, you're, mm -hmm. but you, you think you're hiding the stress and the, and the disruption and all the things you're feeling, but your family knows your friends know, even your coworkers know. And it becomes really a hard place to work when you're in that moment. You just have to stop and you can't, you don't sell. And as a person who's, you know, visited this, this life, you know, years ago, you just, 
you, you, you want to believe you can just sell your way through it. But what happens is you can end up chasing revenue for the sake of the revenue and you yeah. end up chasing more booby trap jobs that you allow into your life. And it really becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I, you know, I, I hate that. It's not the stress, um, the hardship on family, um, your coworkers. If you start to see employees leave, if you're an employee and you feel like leaving, I mean, have an honest conversation to go, okay, I'm in this, but how do we get off this ride? Yeah. And, uh, and there, so there's, you know, I, I think we, at some point we should talk about, so how do you move beyond that? What is it yeah. that you have to do to get out of that? Well, we call it a death spiral because it compounds. It continues to spiral out of control. And that's usually whenever people finally come to make the necessary changes and stop resisting the change that needs to happen. But it compounds. Yeah. It gets worse and worse. You are trying to get out of it. And so rather than just putting an end to things, you double down on what you were doing and optimism, hoping that it will get better but you only make it worse. Uh, you know, you take on the jobs you shouldn't, you continue to make concessions, you continue to chase the revenue and it's, it's absolutely not worth it. Um, it, and it, 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 it continues to compound because of desperation because yeah. you need that money to pay for what you're currently in. And so out of that desperation, you make the bad decisions and you can't right. afford to lose the job. So you make the concession, you know, you can't afford to, you know, lose the sales guy. So you keep employing him, even though he always bids work or estimates work at a loss or at terrible margins, even though you ask him not to, uh, there, there's so many things that happen there and you really have to know when to quit. Um, and yeah. I'm, honestly, that's my biggest point for how to get out of the death spiral. I know you've got some things to say here too, but there's a great book by Dr. Henry cloud named, uh, it's called necessary endings. And it is such a good book. Uh, it's so important for every business owner to read, but it essentially just tells you like, Hey, you're a business owner. You're a leader. You have perseverance in you, but you've got to know when to quit. You've got to know when that, you know, it, he, he gives the analogy of a rose bush uh, and how a rose bush will produce more rose buds that it can actually sustain. And so a gardener, mm -hmm. if a bush, if a rose bush is going to thrive and reach its potential, will need to prune that bush. It will deliberately get rid of new rose buds and it will, you know, get rid of branches of the rose bush that are diseased or dying. And it, sure, the gardener could sit there and fertilize it and water it and hope that it would get better. And it may improve a little bit, but it's going to be at, at the detriment of the actual rose bush. Um, and so th there, the same thing's happening in your business. There's lines of service. There's products that you're offering that are you're operating at a loss with. And that you have because certain clients want it and you want to keep them on. So you keep that service, but really it's a dead branch that you've got to prune. You've got to get rid of. And yeah, there are opportunities. There's new buds sprouting and this, these big jobs and this new, you know, type of event that you're running or whatever it is. But the reality is you, you need to cut that butt out. You need to say no. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not just with opportunities. We haven't really talked about the dead weight people carry in, on their team of employees that really are not performing, but they're friends or they've been in the company for so many years and you need to let go of those relationships um, because they're, they're just making it harder on you to operate and they're causing you to have to make concessions for your clients because they keep messing up <laughs> and doing things the wrong way. Yeah. No, I've had to remind some people over the years that um, 
listen, we're an employer and we care about our employees, but we're not an adoption agency. Right. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, what was it? I had one, uh, and we've done this with, with that, that one day that shall not be named client. It was four o'clock <laughs> in the morning. We're still there. There was nothing else we were going to do to make this thing look any better. And yet the, uh, our partner that was on site was just, you know, okay. Kept walking in and out of the same conference and meeting rooms and looking at it and approving it, but then we'd go back in and keep it. And finally I just, you know, the, I remember they came around the corner and I pretended to be on my phone and they, and then, and then, and I just said, uh, that was Moses. He said, let my people go. <laughs> right. So at some point you just take your lumps and you realize, and, and by the way, that is just the biggest fear of anybody is missing a show opening or not being ready when we serve other people. But back to your point, um, you know, I think in terms of how you get out of this, you didn't get in this overnight, right? Nope. The, the, so, you know, it, it took a while um, and then circumstances change and you continue to accept the types of projects maybe you shouldn't and you you don't apply the, the, the disciplines on adding monthly fixed costs. So those costs every month just kept rising and rising. So I think as, you know, number one, you just have to realize there's no quick fix out of it. You know, you just have to, <clears throat> two things stop accepting booby trap jobs right <laughs> um and the second thing is um you have to you have to cut costs you have to get back to a place where your 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 gen your monthly general expenses um have to align with what you're actually selling and and it's not the it's not that the that's not the dollar amount of what you sell. It's the gross profit you're left with, right? So booby chap jobs means less gross profit going into the bucket. So I have even less, right? So focus on more profitable jobs. And um, I again, I, I it's so heartbreaking for small mid-sized business owners who go, I'm not gonna, but I'm two months behind on rent already, or right. the bank is calling because of this, or I owe salespeople commission money and they're going to leave if we don't do that. You know, if you're a, if you're a good person, if they, they came to work for you for a reason, you got to sit down and with your core team and have a conversation about what the reality is. And then who's, who's in it to stay. And you'll, even if you lose some people, um, start over reboot to your point, prune the, prune the bros bushes, you know, prunes the branches that are going to, you know, that are going to take away the joy and the beauty of what you had built. Um, everybody's just getting pricked with those rose stickers, thorns, yeah. right? Um, we've got to make this more manageable. And um, I do believe, you know, I, now after everything we've been through, if I had a title for me, Khalil, I'd say I'm the constant gardener, right? I'm constantly weeding and pruning and making sure that this is a good place. I will also say that um, uh, it does help if you can, you know, have access to cash, whether it's capital reserve, an owner willing to make a, an investment again to help get you over the hump, a bank that um, will show you grace or, or extend a line of credit. And um, it's worth the mention because a, a lot of us that, you know, Desperado aside, we were all feeling the negative uh, reaction in our industry the last couple of years from the pandemic. And some people came out of it with, um, with federal money, right. And, and federal loan money, uh, particularly the idle program. Um, PPP loans were a little bit different. Uh, I think that was, 
But PPP and the ERTC, the Employee Retention Tax Credits, um, in some ways, you know, the bad part about those things were that super helpful when they were happening, but they conditioned us to just ex extend our uh, existence without yeah. really addressing what the root cause of maybe some of our problems are. And idle loan is, it's, there's, that's not a freebie. Uh, you've agreed to take on the debt. You've personally guaranteed it. It's a nice long 30 year runway. It's a, at a nice reasonable 3.75% interest rate, but make no mistake, they're coming for you if you don't pay that back. So you have to be a grown up about that. We did opt, you know, to take that. Uh, and we qualified for the max uh, for us and we took it. And I will tell you, I feel nothing but a tremendous sense of responsibility to spend that wisely, which means the dollars are used on invest on, on things I'm investing in that I must get a return from. They are not spent on monthly operating costs like rent and utilities and payroll. Um, you just you have to align your business size based on what you're selling. But it is, I am super grateful to have access to the capital so we can, we're not thinking month to month anymore, right? We're able right. to, we're able to make decisions, you know, a couple of quarters or, or even a year in advance. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But well, um, I know I, everybody listening to this call, Cliff, everybody is listening to this call knows what we're talking about on this. They've been in this situation either personally as a sales professional or, or a business owner or left the company. So I know this is resonating with everybody. Absolutely. I want to add, you know, you, you mentioned cutting your costs. You also got to yes. go and look at the bids that or the estimates that you have out right now and increase your prices. That's something you have to do. You're, yeah. It, it, it's, you're going to have to do less work for more money. And that's the only way less work so that you have less staff so you can cut some of your costs, but then you're going to have to also increase your prices and sometimes bid to lose the job. Like if you're scared to put the number out, that's probably a good thing if you're stuck in the death spiral because you're, and if you lose the job, that's yeah. okay. You're probably doing something right. You're at, at it's better to overcharge yeah. than undercharge, right? Yeah. Uh, I, you, there's a whole, there's a whole nation of buyers out there that we call the discount your way to victory buyers. Right. And mm -hmm. so the thing, I think, you know, a lot of different industries, but in our industry, there's still a lot of people I know that they, they get a bid or hear about an opportunity to bid on something and they think they're, they, they just treat it like it's a sale and they're harp, you know, that they just, they have to just do everything to get it. And there's a lot of no thank you business out there. Um, you know, we, we talked in another episode, I had a guy that called me and he had, you know, $50,000 to spend for his client. And it sounded like a great budget, but when we did the math, um, it wasn't enough to leave him an attractive margin. And he opted to not do bit. We agreed not to do business together because he was still hoping to find somebody to do it cheaper. And I said, look, I, I can appreciate the problem isn't you. And I don't think the problem is me. We don't, we don't mark it up just to mark it down. The problem I think is you've got a client that wants, you know, an $80,000 package for $50,000. And um, so, you know, the thought to them was maybe this isn't the right one for you to pursue either. So, Right. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. T you know, really have to be honest with ourselves. Um, but man, you've hit on the right things. Are we estimating well? Right. And I, I, I see tons of improvement 
you know, even in, in, in our teams, uh, we, we're, we're doing better, but, but we're, we're better at saying we're not going to be the best option for you. Um, the mistakes that may make labor is just, you know, the third rail of what can get away from anybody and hurt us in, in the trade show and business events uh, industry. Um, making concessions like you talked about um, and every, you know, sometimes all of us are too quick to do that. And then the controlling, you know, doing a better job managing the costs that you can't control, your fixed costs. I'm an optimist. I, you, when you said that about, I was reminded about that, uh, that expression about, you know, what's the difference between a pessimist and an optimist when you're in the death pile? You know, the pessimist goes, things can't get any worse, right? The optimist goes, oh, yes, they can, right? <laughs> so, um, but you, you, it's, it really comes down to a math equation to give your, yourself an honest test. And I'm a sales guy at heart, right? So if I'm, if I'm pursuing low margin stuff because I'm trying to make my numbers to keep my salary going, you, you know, you can do the math and you know that if you're, you know, selling something that's only making 15 or 20% at some point, somebody at your company's going to pay attention to that. So how do you refocus and, 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 and work on the up market, more profitable opportunities? Um, anyway, I, I know we're, I know we all know this, right? But yeah. sometimes we need a nudge and a reminder about it. Absolutely. Well, I, I think this is a, a good topic for people to think about. You've either been in this, you're either in this or you know somebody in it. It's very prevalent and there's probably some taboo around it when nobody talks about it. They love to talk about, oh, we got that big job or we're working with that brand name. But uh, that's not what you should be focusing yeah. on. Um, and yeah, d don't be uh, don't be deceived by that either. Whenever you hear other people saying that, just keep plugging away. You know your numbers. You know who you are. Um, stick to your guns. And you know what I always my my mentor says this. Um, but you can go broke just on the beach. You can just go and get a tent and live on the beach and be broke and enjoy the sun. A lot less stress. A lot less stress that way. A right? lot less stress. Why, why would you yeah. go broke running a, you know, even multi-million, uh, you know, 10 figure business? I mean, it doesn't make yeah. sense. So anyways, you know, so many of us are just, to, I know we're, we're close to wrapping up here. These conversations are happening in our industry by small groups every single week. And I know I'm in, I talk to 12 to 15 you know, owners or, or high level executives every week. And we have conversations like this, which is, Again, just another plug about why you and I are doing this. Um, Experience Builders is about continuing this conversation as all of us are building back and trying to um, build our businesses more profitably. It's applying the wisdom, the collective wisdom of what we're starting to share it with each other. So my hope is, uh, you know, this platform as we I want to hear from project managers. I want to hear from logistics planners and, and account executives and small business and, and larger. And let's just. Let's do a good job sharing this. I, you know, I've I've talked with you, Khalil, that um, EDPA, the Experiential Designer Producer Association, is a big part of the community that that I live and work in. These are like-minded people, and so um, I know a lot of the listeners with us uh, are in that community. And so, just know in the coming weeks and months, we're going to be looking to bring some of that wisdom onto the show here, and yeah. uh, and not just you know have me paraphrase it, but let's hear from some of those experts directly. So, I always appreciate you, man, giving us uh, uh, the leadership and you know reminding me where the navigational buoys are in order to keep <laughs> uh, keep the conversation on point. 
No, it's great. It's a great conversation and, and one that people need to have. Um, if you have your death spiral moment uh, that you'd like to share, like a, a worst job experience or a concession of the year that you've made in your business that you'd like to share or talk about, you can reach us in the show notes and uh, we'd love to to hear about it, tell your story, hear your story. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening to Experience Builders. Chris, appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks, Khalil. See you on the next one. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Experience Builders podcast. Check out our website in the show notes or visit crewxp.com to learn more.